Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Life Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. Lord, we love you. We honor you. What a joy to be in your presence in your kingdom. Lord, we give you the glory and we invite you to come. Touch our lives. Change us. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ted. That's so good. Please be seated. Great to be with you all. Wow, I've got a great, great group here. How awesome is this? And uh, we love being in this church, love being here. It's just a shame we've been stuck in uh, New Zealand for so long, haven't been able to get out anywhere. But we went biking and walking and talking and enjoyed ourselves. And then more recently, you know, our nation's opened up. And a lot of people have been deeply affected by the season they've been through, you know. It's been quite extraordinary, really. And Many people have drawn back from being their passion for the Lord. And, uh, you know, our, our faith is tested in times like that, whether we are just carried along by being part of a group or whether we have a personal walk with Jesus. And he wants you to have that personal walk and, and let him touch you and help you today. Okay, so if you open your Bible with me, I'm going to share something with you. And uh, Pastor Ted wants you delivered, I'm sure. But anyway, we all need deliverance at some point. I just want to help you understand it. Perhaps some don't understand. So I want to share just on the ministry of deliverance. I want to share a message called Free from Defiling Spirits. I could share a lot of things. I want to just try to keep a very simple flow using one story and then help you understand these things of the Spirit. Because things of the Spirit, uh, often people don't talk about them or don't explain them. Uh, and often we just don't really get it. And uh, bec- much of it's very simple. And so... First of all, I want to share this verse, Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. Matthew 12, 28. And uh, the Bible's very clear that deliverance, when people are delivered from the presence of a demonic spirit, it is an expression or manifestation of the kingdom of God. Let's have a look at Matthew 12, 28. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus has just ministered to a person who was tormented and troubled. He went to church, no doubt. He went and did the best he could. But the real problem that he had was not something physical, not something you could fix by going to a doctor or a psychologist. The problem was his life had been invaded by a demonic spirit. And so when Jesus delivered him, the man could speak and the man could hear. And suddenly there's a transformation in his life from being silent to speaking, from being deaf to being able to hear. The man was tremendously impacted when Jesus delivered him. And this set off a little bit of a controversy. The Pharisees attacked Jesus. They began to falsely accuse him. And so there was an argument went on and Jesus then makes this declaration If I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come among you. So what has happened is there has been a manifestation, there's been a clash between two kingdoms. Now, we're used to things we can see, used to things which are invisible. When it comes to government, we're used to a democracy. But Jesus' message from one end to the other was the kingdom of God. He preached about the kingdom of God. 
everyone understood about that kingdom and wanted to know more about it. They were living in expectation that the Messiah would raise up again David's kingdom and they would conquer all the Romans and throw them out. But when Jesus came, if you read from one end, from the beginning of his ministry to the end, you will find all his teaching centered on the kingdom of God. It was not upon how to prosper. It was not upon how to do this or how to do that. It was about one thing, the kingdom of God. And that theme runs from one end of the Bible to the other where God expresses his desire for his kingdom to be established in the earth through man, and it ends with it, being hap with it happening. In the meantime, there's this problem where man has lost his authority, and there's now a warfare. So Jesus showed that deliverance then is the clash of two invisible kingdoms. So we understand, first of all, we ask the question, what is the kingdom of God? And then you'll understand what deliverance is about, and you'll understand how we are authorized to operate in this. Firstly, the kingdom. A kingdom, when the Bible talks about a kingdom, it's talking about the rule of a king. It's not talking about voting. Vote them in, vote them out. It's talking about a king ruling. Where the king's will is done, the king is ruling. Where the king's will is not done, he is not ruling. And of course, Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And we don't understand. Then we're praying for the kingdom to come. We are praying for deliverance to happen. We are praying for many things to happen. And we're also praying in expectation of the coming kingdom. I'll refer to that in a moment. So Jesus' message was the kingdom. The kingdom is the rule of God. Whenever you think of a kingdom in the Bible, a kingdom must have a king. Not a president, not some kind of an elected ruler, a king who rules. Yeah. And everyone is either a subject of him or an enemy of him. It's really quite simple. You're either a part of that kingdom. So uh, there's a king that rules. Secondly, there's a territory he rules over. There's a realm, a territory that the king's will is done. There's a people, a realm over which he rules. And Thirdly, there is a culture or laws that characterize that kingdom. That's what a kingdom is about. It's about a king and his rule or a ruling king. It is about a people, a territory, and it is about a legal system and a culture that is a, that is a part of that kingdom. So that's why when Jesus, say, for example, preached the, 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 the Sermon on the Mount, we don't, oh, the Sermon on the Mount, bless the poor, bless the meek. No, no, what he's saying is, I want to help you understand what the culture of the kingdom looks like. This is the way it operates. Meekness, humility, it works on a system. And there are certain laws that govern the kingdom of God. So we sow, we reap. That's a spiritual law. It's also a physical law. So the kingdom of God then consists of those things I've just shared. The rule of a king, where his will is done, a territory and a people where that takes place, and also a culture and set of laws that characterize the kingdom. So when you got so, when you got saved, when you're born, you were born under the influence of the kingdom of darkness. When you're born again, you come to Christ, you are legally translated out of that kingdom. 
Colossians 1 verse 14, he has, he has transferred us, delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So when you got born again, legally, you were delivered. Someone rescued you, someone overpowered an enemy and got you out of an invisible kingdom called the power, uh, the, the, the working of a demonic realm of darkness and placed you or positioned you in another kingdom. Now, that's what happened legally. That's what happened experientially. But now you have to live it out. So if I want to experience the blessing of my king, experience the blessings that come from living in relationship with him and under his kingship, I need to learn the ways of the kingdom. I need to intentionally change my life and my relationship so they reflect the culture and ways of the kingdom. And it's not because someone told me you have to, it's because I love the king who saved me and I understand if I follow his ways, it was really good. So, so the Bible then is not these laws, it actually are the principles that describe how love works how you build a life and relationships that receive God's blessing on them. And so the Bible describes all these things about finances and about marriage and about family and about parenting and about doing business, about being a servant. It's actually got it laid out all there. It tells you exactly how to do it. also tells you why to do it that way. So we need to study to understand the realm we live in. If you come to Australia, and I want to be an Australian citizen, I have to learn about Australian history, Australian culture, and the ways of doing things, and put my hand up and say, I agree to abide by that and be loyal to that. When you come into the kingdom of heaven, maybe no one asked you to do that, but that's actually what happens. We come into a kingdom where God wants us to be loyal to him because he loves us, and to understand and operate in his ways of doing life and marriage and family and so on. So you've got to learn what they are. When, when God says the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, then he's describing the functional order for marriage. That when we agree with it and learn how it's supposed to work out of love and, and the unity between a husband and a wife, but the husband occupying a role of leadership, then blessing comes upon our lives. Uh, I talk about that, people don't get enthusiastic. <laughs> because their, their thoughts are corrupted by the experiences they've had that have been painful. And so when we try to explain things of the kingdom, there's often a reaction to them because they raise pain of bad experiences we've had which misrepresented what God was like. That's why people need healing of the heart and setting free from demonic spirits so they can actually grow and fulfill what God called them to do. You're getting quiet now. <laughs> okay, so we're just talking a little bit about the kingdom. So when Jesus spoke about the kingdom, he, he spoke about it in two ways. And you read through, he talks about it in two ways. Firstly, he describes the kingdom of God as an invisible kingdom. Real, but you can't see it with your eyes. So it's an invisible kingdom that becomes established in your heart when you receive Christ. 
So when you receive Christ, now something real has happened. You belong to a different kingdom now. You are legally part of something quite different. It's the Bible says your citizenship is in heaven. Where you, where you really belong is in the realm of God. Where God lives and dwells. Eh? But he not only spoke of it as something that takes place inside us like a seed. He also described it very clearly that it would come physically in great power and glory and fill the whole earth. So the kingdom that you've been introduced to is invisible and starts in your heart. Therefore, you must then nurture, cultivate, and grow your heart. And that kingdom will eventually come and take over all kingdoms of the earth. So you can read in the news media all these troubling things that are going on and be troubled. Or you can read in the Word of God about a kingdom that will come and physically take over the whole earth. The Bible says, all the kings of the earth shall bow before Jesus. There are lots of scriptures like that. Did you know that, for example, in Zechariah chapter 14, it says that all nations of the earth, meaning the leaders of the nations, can, shall come up to Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. All leaders of all nations. All nations. All nations. Well, they're not going to do that the way they are today. They're going to need a shake-up. So if we have no big picture of the kingdom and understanding how relevant it is for day-to-day -day living, then we get caught up with all the things that go on in the government and what's around us and the injustices, and we can lose heart and become discouraged. So we must understand more of the kingdom and learn, and that takes a bit of study. Do you realize all Jesus' parables were about the kingdom? Kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you one. He said, the kingdom of heaven. He said, this is the fundamental parable of the kingdom. If you don't get this, you don't get anything about the kingdom. Now that tells you, heads up, this is the one you need to understand. So how many know which one he said that about? Hmm. So that's a problem right there. Eh? So he said that about the parable of the sower and the seed. Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. And, and the parable of the sower and the seed is, the sower sows the seed. The seed is the word of the kingdom, and the seed is sown in a man's heart, and depending on the condition of the heart, it can produce fruit. So our heart condition determines what comes out of our life, what, what God expresses, what, what fruit comes in our marriage, our relationships. But he said, here's some problems. Some people, the heart is like a rocky ground, a stony ground, a hard ground, and there's nothing happens. So just they, they hear it and nothing. The birds there just take it away and they've forgotten it. Out of the church, gone down the road, they've not remembered anything. There's others that are like the rocky ground, and it's very shallow, and, the, and, and the, the, the word gets into the ground, and it starts to produce, but then there's a bit of heat and so on, and it all lost. So he's saying that that's, that's Christians, believers, who have received the word of God, received understanding of the king, a little bit of understanding, but when the heat comes on trying to live it out, they quit. Hello? We know people like that. He said, there's, a, there's another group, and he said, and they, the, the, they're, they're, <clears throat> they're the thorny ground. The word comes in, starts to produce fruit, and it comes up, and look, they're doing really well. But however, they get distracted by other things, the worries of life, the cares, the riches, seed of riches, the, the pressure of other things all come in, choke it out. And again, they don't become fruitful. God wants you to be fruitful. He wants your life to leave a legacy 
of people impacted. That's what the kingdom is about. All his messages were about the kingdom. All of them were about the kingdom. Read it again and start to study about the kingdom. So now, let's go into here then. And so he talked then about an invisible kingdom. Now that invisible kingdom can come and manifest in power now. So we don't have to wait for everything to come. We know one day that Jesus will fulfill what he set out to do at the cross and paid the price to do at the cross. Until then, the invisible kingdom is in here now and it influences what's happening. So, notice, let's go back to that scripture again. He said, if I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So, deliverance then is one of the key indicators of the reality of the kingdom and the conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Now, when many people think about the kingdom of darkness, they think it's very, very big, it's a big bad devil, and God's barely able to cope. A lot of people think that way. That's their mentality, because they look around, and evil seems to be prevailing, and they think this is really hard. No, it's just the outworking of God's plan. But here's the deal. It tells us in the book of Revelation, there'll come a point when God will actually send an angel and he bind the devil and his angels and put him in a prison. So if it's that easy for him to do, why is, why is there so much trouble now? Because you need to grow. You need to learn how to establish spiritual authority in your life and over your circumstances so you see the blessing of God. And so he said deliverance then is an outward demonstration that the kingdom of God is superior in every way, and when it invades, demons are flushed out of people's lives, they actually are cast out of people, and the person's life becomes changed by that experience. If I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons. So notice then, deliverance is the casting out of a spirit, an evil spirit being that has found an entrance to a person's life and tormenting them. Deliverance then is the manifestation that God's kingdom is bigger than that and more powerful than that. That when God's kingdom comes, the person experiences freedom because that's what God's kingdom is like. Deliverance is a manifestation of the working of miracles. It's an intervention from the spirit realm into the earth of God's kingdom touching people. How we need it. Listen, we go everywhere. People desperately need to be set free of things. I had someone uh, ring me. uh, I got, I get these calls all the time, but I had one person, she attempted suicide, young woman, attempted to commit suicide, which is a very terrible thing that she'd, she'd be so deceived by, but actually she was burdened by what she was struggling with. She was tormented by spirits to the point she couldn't stand living. But she failed in her attempt. She put herself into a mental hospital. We went to visit her there. And I asked her, what is the problem? What has led you to do this? And she told me. And I said, well, there's no one here can help you. In fact, if you tell them your story, they're likely to keep you here. Best be quiet and come out. We know what to do to help you. The problem you're dealing with is a problem of a demonic spirit. This is its name. And here's where it's come from. And it's nothing to do with you. It's not your fault. And she was quite shocked. You understand? She understood she had a serious problem, but thought the remedy 
was through the mental hospital. Now, mental hospitals are there to help and support and do many good things, but this particular problem could not be solved that way. We got a home, and our pastor's wife came, and, and we prayed with her in two sessions. Her life is transformed. She had been molested and, and, uh, and uh, tormented by spirits nightly since she was seven. This terrible. And she had no one she could talk to that would even begin to understand what she had to say. Because in a Western culture, most people don't understand the spirit world is real and it interacts with and torments and afflicts people. Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so Jesus understands. I said, Jesus knows about this problem. He's paid a price for you to be set free and authorized us to help you. How about that? They're good or what? Hey, great stuff. Okay. Then. So then you notice there that, de that deliverance requires that a representative of the kingdom of God stands in their identity and authority and exercises authority over the spirit. It means you've got to tell it what to do. It's not going to go. It, it's a confrontation. Most people don't get that or they're afraid of that. And there's good reason to be afraid if you're not closely linked to the Lord. <laughs> okay, let's go and have a look at a, at a story of, uh, of, of a man in the Bible. I've got heaps of these stories. But I'm going to give you this story here. And this story takes place at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and it takes place in a synagogue in a church. So the reason they recorded this one is because it's in the church. And Jesus sometimes did stuff in a church. Sometimes he did stuff out of a church. We deliver people sometimes in church, sometimes out of church. Last one I delivered out of a church was on a plane. <laughs> he, he was in terror. He was frightened. He'd had a trauma skydiving and needed deliverance before he could take off in the plane again. It, just, it happens, you know. Did it not happen to you? <laughs> We've had that happen more than once on a plane. Suddenly someone just starts to manifest in fear. I mean, we were going on one plane, and Joe and I usually sit together. We like to sit together and talk together. We get on this plane, and we look at our we seats. Hello, there's three seats, and someone's sitting in the middle one. That's not working for us. I said, excuse me, could you move, please? My wife, I think I'm supposed to sit there. She looked and said, no, I'm here. This is my seat. And uh, I thought, what, what have they done? They put us one either side of her. Oh, <laughs> I get it. So we start talking with her and, and, uh, and chatted, hello, who are you, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, the plane lurched a little bit and suddenly she grabs my arm like this, grabs it tightly. And she, she made this statement, which is a really irrational statement, I don't trust that pilot. <laughs> and I went into mansplaining moment and I said, I'm sure he's well trained, I'm sure it's safe. Talk about missing it. However, I had a second chance. I said, what? I, I stopped. I said, what's the trouble? She said, I'm afraid. I said, Lord, you've got to help me understand what's going on here. This is not just I'm afraid. This is strong fear. She's reached and grabbed a stranger. And uh, I, the Lord just said she's had a broken relationship recently. I said, were you involved in a relationship that broke up recently? She said, yes. How do you know that? I didn't say, God. No. <laughs> so that would have ended the conversation, as it usually does. 
And I, I just didn't, didn't say anything. And they'll drop me one other piece of He was controlling and very abusive to you, wasn't he? She said, yes, how'd you know that? I didn't, again, didn't answer that one. And I said, it's left you full of fear and a desire to be in control of your life. And this is what's happening now. You're not in control. The pilot's in control. So we can help you. And so we prayed with her and bound the spirit of fear and cast it out and helped her and then led it to the Lord. You know, as, as you do. <laughs> so you never know when you get on a plane or a train or whatever, something, something can happen. Because we're kingdom and the kingdom is everywhere. So wherever you go, you take the king with you and he's interested in you helping him advance his kingdom. You're a kingdom representative. So yes, you're Australian citizen, but you're a kingdom representative. So therefore, how you treat people is governed not by what the law says, but by the law of love from heaven. So Jesus now, he's in a synagogue. So this story's written to tell you that churches have problems, if you hadn't figured that one out. And so Jesus in the synagogue preaching on a Sabbath day, and it says, behold, there's a man there with an unclean spirit. And the man with the unclean spirit cried out loud. He started yelling out loud. I remember being in a church in Singapore when that happened. I've had it happen many times in restaurants all over the place where people start yelling at me. I don't know why they yell at me. I'm a nice person. I'm not trying to upset them. They just yell. And this was one of those yellers. I was in, I was in a, a, a big auditorium, and, and uh, we'd been having a week of meetings, and so the atmosphere is thick with the presence of God to deliver. The power of God is present to deliver. And suddenly... The door at the top of the, of, the, of the auditorium burst open, not just opened, burst open, bang, like that. And a Chinese woman came in. And, of course, because we're in Singapore. And so <laughs> she's holding a broom, so she's the cleaner. And she starts yelling at me. Why you come here? Why you do this to me? Why you come here? Why you do this to me? And she's manifesting a demon. You're not even in the meeting, but the atmosphere of God provoked what was hidden to come to the open. See, deliverance is the confrontation of kingdoms, but first you've got to expose it. And so sometimes the exposure is by the anointing and the thing comes out and the person behaves funnily, like weird. It always catches me by surprise, but now once I get my senses, oh, it's just a demon. Oh, we're called to deal with that. And, uh, and so, <laughs> sometimes it's that way. Sometimes it's just the teaching of the word, and you become aware of the problems you've got that there's a demonic orange. Anyway, they're in this, and this guy starts yelling out. Now, let's have a look what he yells out, what the demon yelled out. Okay, here's what he yells out. Leave us alone. How about that? That's what demons say. Leave us alone. How about that? The demon's prayer, leave me alone. <laughs> I found myself praying it occasionally. <laughs> leave me alone. Don't ring me. Leave me alone. You know, I realize, wait a minute. I need to get out of that space. I'm echoing a voice. Okay, then. And uh, so what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So what's happened now? This man has got a spirit in him. What is the spirit? Well, it's, a, it's an invisible spirit being, disembodied spirit being that looks for a home. And it, it's a malevolent being. It's, it's intent on evil. And it's got into the man. Now, here's the, here's the interesting thing. The only one in the church who knew who Jesus was was the demon. A nice man from Nazareth. 
I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And this guy's terror, the, the demon's terrified of Jesus. All demons are terrified of Jesus. And if you, if you are his representative, actually they're afraid of you too. A lot of Christians don't know that because they get afraid. But actually the demons are afraid of the one who conquered them and those who come in his name. That's why Jesus said, I give you authority. I give you authority to represent me. So if your life is in the kingdom and under the kingdom guidance and governance, you have authority to deal with these things. And so the only one in the church who knew who Jesus was, and they you the Holy One of God, have you come to destroy? So they even know their future, and they're terrified. They, they think their future is now about to happen now, and they're terrified. So demons know they're assigned to be tormented forever, and their time is running out. The trouble is the church hasn't woken up to the fact that this is a very big problem, and that we are authorized to deal with it. You were authorized to deal with it. I've got no chance to show how to train you in doing that. But anyway, so how did Jesus deal with it? Well, he didn't get upset. <gasps> Who's interrupting my meeting? He, did, he didn't get upset. He understood what was happening. He understood this is not the man being a bad man in the meeting. This is a man who is under the influence of a spirit. The spirit is revealed itself. And now what he's about to do is reveal the reality of the kingdom of God by confronting it. To confront a demon means to directly address it, to speak to it, and deal with it that way by commands. He didn't pray, oh God, oh. he didn't pray that way, just out. And he just said, be quiet, come out. And the demon threw him on the ground. In other words, it didn't want to come out, it just reacted and came out. And it says, and it didn't hurt him. And everyone was amazed, saying, what amazing. What a word is this? With authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And so this is, this is an example of what deliverance looks like. And sometimes they manifest, sometimes they don't. But here's the issue. The issue is people can be defiled by spirit beings and not know it. This man, it says it was an unclean spirit. Now, there are many different kinds of spirits. This was an unclean spirit, so it probably tormented him with sexual thoughts and emotions and desires, and he constantly was in cycles of sin he couldn't get out of. And it was energized by something living in him that had got a hold of him. It didn't possess him. It just influenced him. And so he was stuck. Now, you can look at the story, and it seems like something you can't bear witness to, but what if I was to tell you that one of the biggest problems I find in the church are people addicted to pornography? Men and women. That I prayed for people who had one exposure and got demonized. That's, that's what this is talking about. It's about people in God's community who should be free, but are actually bound by unclean things because somehow they opened their life to them and no one taught them and helped them understand that you're in bondage to something and you need to be set free. Get the idea? Yep. And so spirits enter people. If you cast them out, it means they must have been inside. The word to cast out means to violently hurl out by... By, by insisting. Now, my daughter, I've got lots of kids. I've got seven children. And uh, I've got four girls, three boys, and they love deliverance, all of them. 
really. I've taken them out to the mission field. I had one girl at the age of nine, and we took her to Indonesia, and we've got you know, 2,000 people in the altar course. I need every person I can get. And she's there, and she's seen me. She's seen all this stuff. And so she come back up, and she said, oh, Dad, 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 I prayed for this woman. I said, great. See, what happened? She said, you're never going to believe what happened. I said, what happened? She said, this Indonesian woman spoke to me in English. And I said, really? She said, yes, but she doesn't speak English. She couldn't speak a word to me after I prayed for her. She can only speak Indonesian. And she said, not only that, she didn't speak to me in a woman's voice, she spoke to me in a man's voice. I hate you, I want to kill you. <laughs> now some people might get a little freaked out by that, but she wasn't, because she just understood that's not the person, that's the anointing of the kingdom we're part of, flushing out something that was hidden and destroying someone. I said, what'd you do? What'd you do? I stood up as tall as I could. Come out in Jesus' name. I said, what happened? Well, she just flew over backwards and the thing came out. And she, was, she stood up and she couldn't speak to me in English anymore. She, in, in Indonesia. I had to get an interpreter to tell me what had happened. She's only nine. See, it's nothing to do with your age. It's to do with your alignment with Jesus and willingness to let him work through you. That's all it takes, amen? How about that? Okay, so this, so this man, and we need to get near the end. I need to close this off. Anyway, so, so the Spirit had entered the man. Now, spirits enter people. You say, that's a quick question. How do they get in? And then, even more important, how to get them out. <laughs> See, so how do spirits enter people? Now, you understand that they enter like a virus. They don't enter openly. They don't want you to know they're present in your life. They just want you to be troubled, and then they'll blame you for why you got so many troubles. You must be a very bad Christian. So they, they get into people's lives and, and wreak havoc and then condemn them. And many Christians uh, feel, live very condemned, like I'm not good enough. Why are you not good enough? Well, well I've got this and I've got this. Well, wait a minute. Being good enough has got nothing to do with what you've got. It has to do with do you believe Jesus on the cross died to make you accepted? If he died and paid the price to make you accepted, then you're just on a journey to grow. You don't have to feel condemned about the fact that you fell over a few times. You know, with kids, if they fall over, they fall over. You help them get up. You don't go, you stupid kid, why you fall over? You don't do that. You're not going to help them. But demons are like that. They will badger people in their mind and thoughts, and they'll think it's them. And so how the Spirit get in? Sometimes they come down through a family line. Sometimes they're in the family, and they work right down the family line. And so it may be that if you've got a struggle and the Spirit's associated with it, it may be that generations in your family have been defeated by that Spirit, and you are the generation called to face it and fight it and overcome it and change the next generation. How about that? Isn't that something else? Because God is a generational God, he, he wants you to build generationally. So when he sets you free, it's not just for you. It's for the blessing of others, including the next generation. See, so when we talk about being a child of God or son of God, son, the word son in the Bible is, it means to be a builder of the father's house. To be a son means you extend the father's generation further. 
Right? To be a son, you are building with your father and extending his influence generationally. Now, so that's what it means in the Hebrew to be a child, to be a son. It means the same to be a daughter. It's the same root word, to build the father's house. So the thinking in the Bible, which is different to our culture because it's kingdom, is that if you're a child of God, you are in relationship with your father and called to work with him to extend his kingdom wherever he has called you to function. The first place would be in your marriage and family. Then in your workplace, in your community, in the church, wherever God has placed you, he calls you to be a builder. Sons are builders. Religious people attend meetings. Sons build. You understand? There's a real difference. So if we don't have kingdom thinking, we will operate out of ideas that are basically demonic and contrary to that kingdom, then we wonder why life doesn't go too well. Anyway, I'll get sidetracked. Let me just carry on here. So demons can come in through. They come in basically because someone violated the kingdom laws, the laws of God's kingdom. You, you go down the road and you think, like Ted gave me his car to drive. <laughs> Got a great V8 there. I told him later, I said, I don't know what's going on there. There's lots of these lights flash at me as I drive under them. <laughs> no, it didn't happen. But if you drive down the road and there's a 50K limit and you drive 80, you're going to get a ticket. You could say, oh, I'm sorry, officer, I didn't know. And he'll say, it doesn't matter if you didn't know. There was a sign there, it's posted, you broke the law, you pay the fine. That's what it's like in the spiritual kingdom. You violate the laws of God, demonic spirits are empowered to bring punishment or torment or trouble against your life. So one way they gain access is when we violate the laws of God. Not every law, but uh, will they gain access, but some they do. Okay, and then the second thing is when we're hurt and wounded and we don't get it resolved. And lots of people are like that. You see, if you've, got, if you've been cut, cut, that's bleeding. Oh, hurts. Okay, and it hurts. All right, they won't. now the first thing you learn to do is cover the wound in case it gets infected and then it gets really bad. When you're hurt, your choice is to resolve the wound by forgiving and blessing the person and letting it go to God, and then it is healed. If you don't do that, it becomes like a welcome for demonic flies to come and enter people's lives. So demons come into people either because there's violations of the law, you or your family have done that, or because there's wounds that have been hurt and you've never dealt with them, trauma things. So you understand, that's how they, that's how they, that they just use those as their levers to get in and uh, various versions of that. Okay, so how did this guy get like this? Maybe it was his family, maybe he was involved in the occult, maybe he was involved in idolatry, maybe he was involved with prostitutes, maybe he was involved in his, his abuse sexually, maybe he was involved in pornography, don't know what it was, but he was, had done something that was the doorway for the spirit in. For other people, it's unforgiveness. This is the biggest one that spirits defile people, it's just through unforgiveness. Jesus said, if you won't forgive from your heart, everyone is brother, he said, you will be delivered to tormentors. Jesus said that. He said, oh, how could he do such a thing? Well, very simple. He has provided forgiveness for you. He wants the grace you've received passed on to others. 
And when we won't forgive, we give legal rights for spirits to enter our life. That's why a lot of people are sick and tormented because they're holding bitterness and unforgiveness and they're defiled. Wow, how about that? So how can we get free? We need to get free. This man came to church, which is a good place to be that day because Jesus was there. So the core of it is you've got to come to Jesus. He is the deliverer. He is the one who delivers. He is the one who demonstrated that his authority, his power, and standing are above every other demon. At the cross, it says he took away their authority and power. He totally subjugated them at the cross. He demonstrated his authority over them. And now he's authorized us to minister. First thing, then, we come to Christ. Second, we need to recognize we have a problem. If you don't see you've got a problem that needs help, you'll never seek help. You'll never change. And so... You've got to see the problem, recognize it, and be responsible. A lot of people are blamers. Hey, the government did this on my mom or dad or this one, that one. Oh, oh, stop it. You're behaving like a victim. Victims blame people. Empowered people take responsibility to do what's needed to get them where they want to go. Our God is not a victim. He's, he's an almighty one. You are his son. You carry the same nature. You are not a victim. You're called to be a son, a representative of your father. Therefore, do not buy into victim culture, victim mentality, social justice movements, all of this kind of stuff that tries to portray people as being a victim. Because you will be rendered powerless, and all that can happen is you blame and become bitter and want someone to get you out of that hole. That's the problem with those movements. And the whole of, anyway, I won't go there. Just get me going. <laughs> Main thing you've got to understand is if you want to get out, take ownership. Doesn't matter if someone did something bad, you take ownership of your life and all that's needed to get you out of the hole. Get the idea? Then we repent. What is our part in it? We repent of that. What is someone else's part? We release forgiveness. Have I come into agreement with any lie of the devil? Then I need to break that agreement, and now I can resist and, and declare its power broken in my life. That's when ministry can take place. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, because you've got a pathway to get free. You've got a pathway to get free. You can't change what you won't take responsibility for. How about that? You, you can't, you see, people just want to complain. Oh, you, you see, you know, they're always complaining. I say, why? Just, if you're concerned about it, go do something about it. Own up to being able to take responsibility some repair work or to make it better or different. Do you understand? And, and this, this is through the culture. So the first step to freedom is recognize the problems I've got have got a root that's spiritual. I'm going to come to Jesus. I will be res recognize my part and be responsible. I will repent of where I've failed and violated God's laws and confess it and receive his forgiveness. I will release forgiveness to people that have hurt me, and I will break all agreements with this thing that's come around my life. Is it rejection? I break agreement. Is it fear? I break agreement. Is it lust? I break my agreement. Is it whatever it is? Poverty? I break my agreement with it. You understand you must break out of agreeing with that kingdom and agree with what God has provided for you. So a lot of what you're hearing in the church is to inspire you to agree with God and do what God wants you to do. But it needs to come from the heart. Amen? And why don't we close our eyes right now? Why don't we close our eyes? Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presences here. Just right now, and, and it's just, I've shared quite a lot of things, but if you could just come down to very simply to this, 
What is it I need Jesus to do for me? Where do I need freedom? Do you have tormenting dreams at night? You're tormented at nights by dreams and things that keep you awake or you wake up and it's like something's choking you. That's, that's an occultic spirit. There's been some occultic involvement or involvement with spirits somewhere directly. Uh, if you wake up and you find like there's, been, uh, there's oppression over you, then that's an occultic spirit. If you're struggling with deep fear, that's a spirit. If you're struggling with deep sexual issues, that's a spirit. If you're struggling with deep bitterness, there's a spirit empowers it. The spirit's not the sole cause of these things, but they energize them. So our part is to repent of our part in it and then break agreement with the demon and resist it by doing the right thing. So what is it that you're wrestling with? Perhaps for you, you realize there's sickness that's come in your family and it's been right down through your family line. Whatever the issue is, you say, God, I need to come to you. I want to break all agreements that I have made to stay in bondage. And I want to believe your kingdom is a good kingdom, a kingdom of love, kingdom of freedom, a kingdom of peace. Lord, your word declares the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy the Holy Ghost gives. These, see, these are internal things. If you're lacking peace, why are you lacking peace? What's troubling you? Bring it to the Lord. If there's no joy in your life, that means you're under oppression. Someone took that joy away. It's probably you've got anger and grief and things have happened. You've never resolved them. Why don't you say, God, I want to explore this with you. Holy Spirit, show me where it started. You know, if there's struggles in your marriage, why don't you own your part and say, God, help me. Perhaps you've had an experience that was so painful you can barely even talk about it. God wants you not to just pretend it never happened because it'll bring forth all kinds of bad fruit. He wants to help you. Would you let him? Would you let him? Come on, let's just pray in the Spirit. Let's just pray in the Spirit. I believe God's going to touch lots of people. going to touch lots of people. going to touch people's lives because that's who he is. He loves to do that. He loves to help us. Loves to heal us. Loves us to be free. What does freedom look like? Looks like peace. What does freedom look like? Looks like being joyful. <laughs> Experiencing a joy that comes from within. What does peace look like? It means I'm not bound to these things. I'm free. See? If I'm free to give, free to receive. Free to love people. Free to honor people. Free to serve people. I'm not competitive now because I know who I am and I'm free of that junk. Holy Ghost, we thank you. I can feel the presence of God here. And I know He's going to touch lots of people today. The only question is, will that person be you? Firstly, if you're here today or online and, and perhaps you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, that would be the first thing to do, would be to come out of the kingdom of darkness. Let Jesus deliver you. Ask Him to deliver you out of the kingdom of darkness and bring you into His kingdom, which is characterized by love. So do you need to do that today? Is there anyone here who needs to do that today? And if you're online, we want to lead you in a very simple prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. And as we talk to Him and we mean what we say, He hears us. So I want us just, we're going to pray together as a congregation here. and going to pray a simple prayer just to receive Jesus Christ. You ready? Let's all do it together. And maybe in the midst there's someone, and this is for the first time. 
God will hear that prayer. Maybe you're online and this is for the first time. God will hear that prayer. You ready now to pray? Let's just pray this prayer. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm a sinner and I come to you and ask you to forgive me. I ask you to deliver me out of the power of darkness and into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Today I receive Jesus as my Savior. I receive forgiveness of all my sins. I receive your spirit into my heart and I give my life to you. Lord, today, I am welcomed into your kingdom. I belong to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, but the others here today, and and you know there's an area you need to be free of. God wants to touch you and help you with that. How many know something's there? You got something you want to be free of, something you need God to touch you in? That's the thing you need to come up. Just be very specific. Don't come up to the front and want to ask you, well, what would you like? What are you believing God for? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know anything. No, no, that's not a good space to be in. It doesn't even work at McDonald's. You go to McDonald's. You know, what do you want? I don't know. It's always good when we come to the Lord and say, try to be specific. This is what I need. I need a breakthrough here. I don't know why it's like that. All I know is I need a breakthrough here. If that's you, why don't you say yes to the Lord? Let's do that, shall we? Amen? Amen.